the climax, and then you see for the rest of the book, it's such a big deal. We have, whatever it is, 20-something chapters of, of reverberations and repercussions from what happens at the very beginning of the book. Um, which, for me, it's a little daunting because you have no ramp up to this moment. And so uh, we've spent the last two weeks in, in, in Acts chapter 1, and, and so we are moving into Acts chapter 2, which is outside of, of Jesus dying on the cross and, and, and being raised again, um, this is probably the, the second most impactful thing for your life in God every day. What is recorded and happened in um, Acts chapter 2. You know, the, the, the book of Acts, if, if you, some Bibles, if you see the full title that they've kind of named this book, it's, it's, the, you know, it's, it's, the, it's actually the Acts of the Apostles. Um, I don't really like that title, to be honest. And I can say that because the title of the book we added later. <laughs> that part's not inspired. Um, if we're going to call it Acts, I, I think, and what, what we'll bear out as we, as we study, you'll, you'll recognize, um, yes, it's a lot about the apostles, but the Acts are actually the Acts of Jesus. This is a, a second um, book, Luke, we, we've talked about this before, Luke wrote this, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and at the beginning of Acts, he says this is, this is, he is continuing the story, this is a continuation of the story of Jesus leading and ministering to his church, and through that church, the world. And it's important that we understand that, that um, one of the, the, the kind of key concepts in, 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 in Christianity, I think, is we have to understand is that we join Jesus in his ministry. It is the kingdom of God that we enter into and get to participate in. It is not our kingdom, and it is not Jesus coming to our aid. It is us joining in what he is doing. And we see that in, in our, our, our text for today. Um, Acts chapter 2 uh, is, is a very, um, I don't say controversial chapter, but it, it's one that people have, have a lot of, uh, uh, if you look at different denominations and different uh, spiritual traditions, this is one of the chapters in the Bible that people kind of can go very different directions in their interpretation of, right? Um, and we're not going to take a lot of time and, and discuss all of the different ways that you can take this. Um, but before we get into Acts 2, I want us to back up a little bit because to understand and really embrace Acts chapter 2, we need to understand that it is a fulfillment of what Jesus initiated when he was here on earth. And so I want to start with you going back to the source. I want to read some scriptures. I want to look at some scriptures um, of Jesus telling us what is going to happen that we will see happen in Acts 2. 
Um, and, and we see this in, in primarily in, 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 it's in all of the Gospels, but John, um, his Gospel elaborates the most. So we're going to be spending most of our, most, I'm going to look at, at some excerpts from John um, to prepare us to help give context for what we're going to see in, in Acts 2. So let, let's just invite the, uh, the Lord in, into this moment, and then we're going to read some scriptures. Jesus, we, we thank you for um, calling us here today. God, uh, it's not by accident that any one of us is listening to your words. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for um, speaking to us this morning. God, we open our hearts and our minds. God, we pray that we would hear and be receptive to your spirit and what you have to say to each one of us this morning. Amen. Amen. Uh, John chapter 14. Jesus is speaking. Um, and then uh, I'm just, I'll just, we're just going to read some stuff. John uh, chapter 14, starting in verse 15, says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So here's Jesus. He's, he's talking to the disciples. Um, and he's describing two things here. He's describing, um, he says, but you know him because he lives, he lives with you now. So that's one thing. And later will be in you. So Jesus is referring to, he's talking to the disciples who already have a relationship with him, right? Um, and he's saying that there is something coming that is going to be another, another expression, another understanding, another connection to the Holy Spirit that is different than what you have currently. It's two separate events. If we keep reading verse 18, he says, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you, will all, you also will live. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything, he will teach and remind you of everything I have told you. So here we have a little bit more detail. We, we're, we're in the first part, he, he alludes to the fact that there is coming a, a, another level, a different expression of, of connection and relationship. And then here we, we find out a little more. It's the Holy Spirit that, that, that he is going to send. And we find out that, this, that, that the Father is going to send him. He's a, an advocate. It's the first thing we learn, right? What's well, an advocate? It's, it's a, a, an advocate's a lawyer. It's someone who, who represents your interests, right? Who, who, who in, in the political world, it would be a lobbyist, right? <laughs> Somebody who, who uses their influence and their resources to push the uh, agenda or the, 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 
the interests of a, of a certain group of people. It says the Father is going to send an advocate, a representative to us. And he will teach us everything. Listen, nothing new. Because it's everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit is not going to teach you something that Jesus didn't teach you. It's, it, it, it's, it's the same guy. Right? <laughs> now, he may show us specific application of what Jesus taught us. He may reveal it in, in, in a new level of understanding and a new perspective, but it's not going to be something different than what Jesus told us. That's foundational. That is, that is, and you see that, we, we don't have time to go there, but you can see that throughout the New Testament that that is kind of the, the, the core litmus of whether something is, is of God, um, of, of the Holy Spirit or not, is does it line up with, does it, is it something that Jesus has told us? And if it is, great. If it's not, um, okay. So that's John, John 14. If we go down, if we skip down a little further in John 16, he, he kind of re, uh, he talks about some other stuff and then he comes back to the topic in John 16. He says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. He just told them that he's going away, and they were freaking out about it. Um, verse 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, some people ask, why did this have to happen? Why did Jesus have to go away for the Holy Spirit to come? And my answer is simple. I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus tells us that that's the way it's gotta, it had to be, so we just accept it. That, that, that is the way it had to be for, for whatever reason. That is, that is the order that, that God had instituted, and so Jesus follows, and so he had to go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. But here's the crazy thing. It says it's better for us that the Holy Spirit, we have access to the Holy Spirit and not the, the physical person of Jesus here in the earth. It is better for you, better for me, better for the church. That's, that's kind of weird for me to think about. Because in myself, I would rather have a person here. Wouldn't you? I mean, I, if I think about me trying to, to follow Jesus, even right now, like it, it makes sense to me in my head that, well, if he was still here, it'd be really easy to follow him. But he says that that's not the case. So there is, there is something there is something that the Holy Spirit has to offer us that is more beneficial than Jesus being still physically here on the earth. And it's hard to, hard to understand, but, but that's, what, that's what the text says. That's what, that's what Jesus told us. It's better for us. 
He says, if, if, if I go away, then I will send him to you. And then now in verse 8, we start to get a little more detail about what, what the Holy Spirit's role is. What, why is he coming? What is he coming to do? He says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So those are, are three different things. Um, and sometimes we, uh, when we read this, it, it, we're, we focus or it sounds very uh, heavy, right? It sounds like sometimes we read this and we, we, we interpret into it. And when he comes, he's going to tell us all the bad things we do all the time, right? That's kind of, and some of it's the words, the convict, uh, and, and there's the word sin in there. And we see those two things, and then we just kind of stop reading, um, and that certainly is part of it. When, when, when part of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life is to convict the world and, and us of our sin, right? To expose the parts of our lives that are not lining up with the kingdom of God that we are called to. To show us the difference between the life that God wants us to live and the life that we are living to reveal those parts of us that are ultimately causing us and those around us death because they don't line up with the life of Jesus. That's the first part. But that's not all of what this verse is saying. It's going to convict us, convict the world of sin, but it also says, and of God's righteousness. See, that's, that's, the, that's a really good thing. To be convicted of God's righteousness. See, conviction is, is, well, if you have a conviction about something, see, when we read that word in Scripture, it, like, we tend to, because most of the time it's, uh, we see it in the term of, you know, I'm convicted of my sin, right? So that's where we go. But conviction, a conviction can, can be about feeling convicted about sin, but it can also just be a, a, a deep convincing within yourself. Right? If you have a conviction about something. And so part of what the Holy Spirit, when he comes, it says he's going to convict us of God's righteousness. He's going to give us a deep understanding and, and, and belief in the good that God has for you. In the gifts that he wants to instill and he has put inside of you. The plans that he has for you. The things that he's doing in your life and in the world around you, he is going to convict us of those things so that we have the eyes to see them and can follow them. The Holy Spirit is not here to just be uh, the, you know, the spiritual police in your life. Not just about not doing wrong things. In fact, the, 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 the closer we draw to Jesus, the more we become like him, the more we learn to, to submit to the Holy Spirit, and the more we look like Jesus, the less it becomes about that, and the more it becomes about focusing on being convicted of God's righteousness. Just seeing the path that he has laid out for you and the potential in the people around you to, for them to look more like Jesus and the miracles that he wants to perform in and through the community that you are a part of. If we keep, I keep going. In verse 9 he says, The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. 
Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, uh, is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So here we have our, our, our next piece of information about, about the Holy Spirit when he comes. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into some of the truth. <laughs> all of the truth. All truth. What truth is that? The truth we're talking about here is not just facts. It's not just the, the, the facts of who Jesus is. It's, it's the truth of the kingdom of God. It's the reality that, that God is the king of a different kingdom that is invading this world and taking over. And as that, that kingdom collides with this earth, that kingdom becomes more powerful and becomes more in control of it. And there is coming a day where it is in 100% complete alignment with the kingdom of God. That is the role of the Holy Spirit. To guide us to see that truth. And not only see it, but walk in it. We've read this the last couple of a uh, couple of weeks, and we'll probably read it for the next couple because it, Acts one eight. It's the theme verse for Acts. It is the it, it is what the book of Acts is about, wrapped up in one verse. Verse eight says one eight says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." The spirit of truth comes on, on us to guide us into all truth, to be his witnesses. This is the function of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we, when we read this a lot of times, when we talk about um, you know, being a witness or witnessing, um, we limit it sometimes to just the words that come out of our mouth. But that's not really the witness, the totality, I should say, of the witness that we see modeled in Acts, in the New Testament. It wasn't just that they were speaking the good news or they were telling people about the gospel. They were the gospel. They used their words certainly but being, having the power to, 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 to be Jesus' witness is, is not just about telling the gospel. It's also about living the gospel. It's about having a life that reflects the God of creation. It's about us living the way Jesus lived. It's about us demonstrating this kingdom that is coming to this earth and is here. power to be Jesus' witness is not just about using our words, although that certainly is, is part of it. And we'll, we'll add, As we read the rest of Acts, we're going to see all of these things. This is why it's 
awkward because this is at the beginning and I haven't, we haven't had a chance to see all the things yet. Um, <laughs> but here we are. Um, it's about telling. It's about living the gospel. It's about demonstrating the gospel. And that's what we see starting in, in Acts chapter 2. Um, and so we'll, we'll, we're just going to kind of jump right into, into it. Acts chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1, says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now, we, when we think of Pentecost, at least in, um, if you're from a, a, um, a charismatic background or, or, you know, modern church, when we hear the word Pentecost, we, we tend to think of this moment, right? The, the Acts 2, it's, it's the day of Pentecost. But the reality is when uh, on the day, it was already called the day of Pentecost. It was, there was a whole other uh, Jewish celebration called Pentecost that was happening at that time. And uh, we talked a little bit last week how, how God's timing was so intentional that, that he chose this moment, the day, the day of Pentecost, because it was such a, a, a big uh, festival. And in Jerusalem where they were, the city on this day was filled with Jews from all over the world that had traveled, made pilgrim, pilgrimage to Jerusalem for this, for this special feast, for, the, for this special time. So on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So they're in a room, not nearly this big. Um, and verse 2, it says, Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. Man, I... I would love to just, I wish I could just have a picture of, of their faces. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> You're just in this room, praying. You're there because Jesus told you to, to, to go and wait and pray. And so you're just there and you're waiting and praying for this, this gift that he said he's going to send. And I'm sure there's been days, literally, of, of conversation. Well, what do you think it is? And what... How do you think that's going to, how will we know, will we know, how do we know what he's, when it happens, has it happened yet, you know? Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's this, this wind, the sound, I don't know if it was actually, it just says it's the, it was a sound like mighty wind. I don't know if it was an actual windstorm or not, but um, there's wind and then they see these, these flames of fire that appear and settle on each one of them. It's crazy, right? Now, and for us, there certainly is a, an element here of just God displaying his glory in the moment, right? There is, there is a big part of this is just God doing God things. <laughs> but there is also a, um, there's another message that the, that the Lord was communicating to them that they would have picked up on. They would have understood that sometimes um, uh, we, we might miss or not notice right away because we're not, we're not first century Jews. Um, there, there's a significance to the fact that, that God chose to visit them with fire. Fire from heaven specifically was a very uh, crucial and important 
and vital part of Israel's connection with their God since the beginning of their relationship. You can, we can trace it back. In, 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 um, it starts, you can start back with Moses. When God calls Moses to, to lead his people out of, out of Israel, how does he do it? He gets his attention with a burning bush, right? In Exodus 19, when, when God meets Moses on the mountain and, and God gives them the law and really kind of uh, is the, the first official formation in where God is claiming Israel to be his own, um, own actual nation and he's forming them and he gives them the law on, the, on Mount Sinai. It says in uh, Exodus 19.18, all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. While Israel was marching around the, the desert and before they, they, God leads them into the promised land, he leads them with a pillar of fire. When God gave them instructed them to, to create the tabernacle, the place where God's presence was going to meet with man. When, when it, it's finally done, Exodus 4, uh, 40, verse 38 says, the cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. And this continued throughout all their journeys. Fire has always been the sign of God's visiting presence on his people. And so in this moment where the Holy Spirit is coming to us in a new way, he communicates it in a, in a new way and he shows them, he teaches them that this, this fire is different because it's not coming to just one place or just one man. It's coming for everyone says that the, the, the tongues of fire rested on each of them. It's the Holy Spirit. The, 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 this is why Jesus said, it's better that I go away. Because in, in the coming of the Holy Spirit, we each and every one of us now have access to the fire and presence of God. The same God is now coming to rest on each heart, not just through one person, one place. That's, that's the symbolism. That's the, that's the message God is, is, is telling these people in this room before he even speaks a word. But that's not the end of the story, of course. Uh, if we pick it up in verse 4, it says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Um, now I should say uh, right here, we're gonna do a we're gonna do another series later on the gifts of the Spirit and, and really dive into all of these things because um, Acts just really isn't the isn't the text for that. Um, but just by way of clarification, um, this display of the Holy Spirit is not um, what we most commonly refer to as speaking in tongues. That is a separate gift. It's different. It's awesome. 
I highly recommend it. <laughs> but that, that, when we talk about speaking in tongues today, typically what we're actually referring to is, is what's maybe you'd probably more accurately call it a prayer language, where the, the Spirit of God within you, you partner with to, to pray and utter, utter things to the Spirit of God. That's separate. This is, this is not that. This is a specific um, other thing that happened uh, where the people started speaking in actual languages, in human languages, just not ones that they actually knew. Um, how amazing would that be? Uh, so, and, and it comes with a purpose. See, The Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, and any time the, the Spirit manifests himself, especially in power, he does it for a specific reason. It's not just showing off. It's not just, just cool tricks. It is always for the express purpose of revealing Jesus to people. That is always the reason why the Holy Spirit moves. Whether that's to reveal him in a deeper level amongst the believers or to you as an individual or to someone who has never met him before. That is, that is the sole focus of the role of the Holy Spirit is to make Jesus known. And so that's what, what we see in this moment. Because remember, there's people from all over the world that are in this city and the Holy Spirit falls, and it's, it's, a, it's a moment where, where God is going, okay, I'm unleashing my church. I'm going to start reaching the world. And so, you know, true Jesus, God form, instead of having to go everywhere, he gets it all kick-started by just bringing the whole world in, right? <laughs> just brings them all into Jerusalem, and then he, he, threw, uh, he empowers his people to start speaking in the languages of the people that are going to go back to their countries all over the world. At that time, uh, verse 5 says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native tongues. Here we are, Parth Parthians, Medes. Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. And here's, a, here's an important verse. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, ridiculed them saying, they're just drunk, that's all. There are times where, where God, in his sovereign power, chooses to reveal himself in amazing ways. And whenever it happens, 
Um, there will be several reactions from a crowd. Some will be amazed. And some will resist and dismiss. When God moves in power, um, he moves in a way, and it's, it's, it's amazing because he, only God can do this. He moves with such power and such, uh, you know, miraculous force at times that, that can't possibly be explained. But yet he still does it in a way that leaves it up to us to choose whether we are going to accept or receive his activity. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force anything on us. And this is, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He wants to reveal Jesus to us by, by a whole lot of different ways. <laughs> but it's always by invitation. It's never by, by force or, 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 or compulsion. Um, I think sometimes when we, when we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit or, um, you know, you want to use the phrase getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, there, there is a resistance at times, and it's one of, uh, well, one, it's because the enemy hates it. Right? Because it is the exact opposite of what he's trying to accomplish. It is, it is the very method by which he will fail. And so uh, th th there is a, a built-in um, attack or resistance. The enemy is going to use every trick in his book to get, you to, to get people distracted and resisting it. But also within ourselves. Um, we, there, is, there is a built-in um, fear because it, um, sometimes from a misunderstanding that, you know, oh, if, I say, if, I, if I say yes, if I, if I acknowledge that it's real, then I'm somehow going to lose control over my body and God's going to like, you know, start turning me into a marionette and I'm not going to have control over my faculties or something. And that's, I, put your mind at ease, that, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. God gave you your body and he... Let you control it. <laughs> and then there's also this, this hesitancy because many of us, if you've been in church for any length of time, you have probably seen some examples of um, either, either the moves of the Holy Spirit either being, um, well, counterfeited or manipulated right either by by something um somebody or someone maliciously out of out of a, a, an evil heart or more often than not out of ignorance right it just genuine desire bad theology <laughs> right um and we see that and of course because that's the way we, the, the, the world we live in. Those are the things that get all the press, 
right? <laughs> it's, it, you know, a, a genuine move of God and the, 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 the fake version of it. Which one's going to make the, the 6 o'clock news? Every time, <laughs> right? I guess the, the, the point, the main point I, I wanted to make today was simply this to encourage us to let go of that fear and be willing to pursue everything that God has for us. To be open to receive whatever ministry the Holy Spirit has for each one of us and us as a community in whatever that looks like. Because if we want to, if we want transformation in our lives, if we want to be a transformational force in somebody else's life, this is the only game in town. I, sh- I should have said this earlier, but, but uh, just so we're clear, we're talking about an empowering, transformative, uh, deepening relationship with the Holy Spirit. We are not talking about salvation. That is a separate issue altogether. The disciples knew Jesus, were a part of his kingdom long before Acts 2. Right? Those are... Separating separate things. God wants to empower us. God wants to connect with us through His Holy Spirit. He wants to 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 reveal Himself to us in some new ways. I believe with all my heart. Um, and, and that looks different for, for every one of us. The Bible talks about there, he gives gifts, right? Like I said, we're not going to talk about gifts, but just, I'm just talking a little bit. <laughs> um, he gives gifts, and there's all kinds of gifts. The Holy Spirit empowers different people for different things. Um, but some people get some gifts, and some people get other gifts. And sometimes, just in a moment, God will give you a gift for just for this thing, but not for that thing. There's a, we don't, we can't go into all that. Um, <laughs> but the point, the point is that there are all of these things that 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 these good gifts that God wants to wants to impart to us, wants to us collectively to have, so that we can we can know Him, love Him, love each other, and love our world well. So that we can, we can share the, the gospel. Because that's what happens. When, when the, the Holy Spirit is truly expressed in our lives, when we truly meet God, when he, when he, for lack of a better term, when he baptizes us in his Holy Spirit in a new way, the outcome is always the gospel. It is always Jesus being introduced in new ways, either inside or to somebody else. That's what you, we see in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit falls. They have this amazing um, instance. But the, it, the, the sign or the wonder that happened was not the point. 
It was the vehicle through which Jesus revealed himself to the city that day. And that's what, that's what God wants to do with us. Because we see right out of this, Peter stands up. And we literally, the next, the next uh, starting in verse 14, um, you, you see the first sermon of, you know, the, the, the inaugural sermon of, of Jerusalem First Baptist Church, right? It's the, literally, it's about to, like, the church is about to be born. Like, they're at the hospital. You can see the head. It's coming. <laughs> because Jesus, or Peter is about to bring a gospel message in a way that, that shakes that city. You know, it's funny. We, we talk a lot about, not we specifically, but in general in church, you know, there's, there's what's the best kind of church? Is it small church, house church, mega church? You know, we have this, this, there's kind of this, this pervading idea that, that like, oh, mega church is, is, you know, that's, that just watered down. You have to water down the gospel to have a mega church. You know, I've heard that before, but here's the funny thing is what did Jesus start? A mega church. There was 3000 people on day one. God's not interested in puny. So why would we be? Getting off track. We don't have time. We're not, I'm not, we're not, we're, next week we're going to look at the message. I'm not going to jump into to Peter's message because in this message, it's, a, it, it's great. We get, a, we get a great clear view of what, what the gospel is and what it, what it does and what are the elements that, that, that when, when, when Jesus communicates who he is, how that, that should happen. Um, but today I want to end just simply um, with a, a chance for us individually to kind of uh, respond to, to the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's simply this. Are you open to leaning in to what the Holy Spirit has for you? Are you willing to believe that there, is, there are depths in God that you haven't yet experienced? And I don't, I don't care if, you, you know, if you've been speaking in tongues since you were seven or you got saved last week and none of this makes any sense to you. <laughs> Are you willing to acknowledge that God has something more for you and your life? That you will be open to receive? Because that's what it comes down to. Throughout Acts, you'll see it over and over again as we go through this uh, in the New Testament. Anytime we talk about the Holy Spirit coming upon people, it is always received. We have to receive it. We have to be open to it. And so 
I just want us to, to kind of open this season of pursuing and looking at, at Acts and, and looking at, at what God did in that, that initial church. And, and, and as we go through this, I trust, I'm trusting that God is going to show us some, of, some things that he wants us to pursue as a community and as individuals. But all of that has to start with being willing to be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. And so we're going to do something. It's super simple. Um, excuse me. Um, this morning, not a lot of, not a lot of fanfare. Um, there, there may be, uh, there'll be times in, in other services where we, where we do more, um, you know, personal ministry kind of stuff, but Today, I just, I, I want us to just sit and, and welcome the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not, there's no, there's no magic words, there's no, you don't need a theology degree to understand what we're doing here. Um, I just want us to take a moment and individually well, collectively, but just in, in, the quiet, in, in a moment of quiet, invite the Holy Spirit to do something new in your life. And that's going to be different for, 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 you know, every one of us. God is not especially the Holy Spirit. He, he's not a, um, he's not Apple, right? <laughs> he doesn't just come out with one product and everybody has to use it the way they want it to. He wants to custom partner with each one of us because he has gifts and plans and callings and, and there are needs in your life that are not in your life. let's just take take a moment i'm just gonna um i'm just gonna pray just real shortly real quick and then we're just gonna just in silence we're just gonna you know this whole act starts with waiting and so we're just gonna take a few minutes and just wait on the lord so god we we give you this moment We, we want to be the type of people that see you move and are amazed and ask, what can this mean? God, we don't want to be the type of people that make excuses, that look for, look for reasons to deny the fact that, that you, have, you have something for us. God, we want to open our hands now and Holy Spirit, we just say, uh, come, come in this moment, come in our lives, come in our church. God, would you start something new, even, even in this moment, even today?